Hey guys, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast, Episode 3, Sleep Optimization. Really looking forward to getting this episode out because I do know it is going to be ram-packed with information that we can all apply immediately to ourselves and to our clients. Inside this episode, we are going to cover circadian rhythm, we're going to cover sleep deprivation, and we are going to cover how to optimize your sleep quality. Just a bit of a, a kind of a background on sleep and, and you know, background on, on myself and why I think sleep is important. I never had an issue with sleep. I never had an issue with falling asleep. My whole entire life, I was a great sleeper. You know, it's a very famous saying, you don't know what you don't know. And it's only when I started working with clients and started to dive deep into, you know, their sleep and sleep recordings, I figured out quite, quite soon that a lot of people um, suffered with their sleep. So I took it upon myself to, to quite in-depthly further educate myself around sleep. And it's only when I started to make quite significant improvements in my client's sleep that I started to see the, the huge benefits of this, you know, from a training perspective, from a hormone perspective, um, from a body composition perspective, I immediately noticed the impact of having a good night's sleep can make you feel better, make you look better, make you perform better. And it just boiled down to priority, you know, making sure we have a priority throughout the day to have a good sleep quality that night. So we will dive straight into this um, and we'll talk about your circadian rhythm. When we're speaking about circadian rhythm and circadian function, just think of it as night and day. That's the easiest way to think about your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is essentially your body's natural biological clock that tells you when it's nighttime and when it's daytime and essentially will give you that system of bedtime and awake time. And when we think back to like the cavemen era, and this is how early circadian rhythm kind of is, circadian rhythm is present, they would go to bed as soon as it was dark and they would awake as soon as it is bright. And that was their circadian rhythm, whether it was the winter time, whether it was summertime, their, their bedtime and awake times would change due to the fact of when it was light and when it was dark. But now we have kind of adapted this ever so slightly and we basically have, you know, a, a quite a regular bedtime and quite a regular um, awake time. And there's certain things that we can do to improve that level of, of circadian rhythm and improve that level of, of circadian function. And something that I implement with my clients immediately from the get-go is a nighttime routine and a morning routine. Your nighttime routine is going to be based around allowing that circadian rhythm to kind of set off. So allowing that nighttime hormone melatonin to really kick in. Melatonin can be hugely important for sleep quality and making sure that we have an adequate level of melatonin release will in return give us the quality of sleep um, for that night. So my bedtime routine for myself and for clients and something that I think is, has proven to work is a couple of different things. So number one, trying to eliminate um, blue light fr from, from coming into the eye. So blue light is, can, can be found in phones, laptops, screens, some bright lights as well. And when we have a level of blue light coming into the skin and eyes, essentially what we're doing is we are down-regulating the phenyl gland, which is a gland that's found in the brain that's responsible for the release of melatonin. When we have blue lights coming into the eye, like I said, we have that suppression of melatonin and that in return is going to give us a poor sleep quality for that night. 
our big kind of focus point in the evening times for, for clients is to have time away from blue lights. And in doing that, like I said, we are offsetting the, the circadian rhythm and really trying to optimize off that initial starting point to make a healthy night's sleep very important. When we're speaking about melatonin, melatonin can be taken in from, from many different ways. The two different ways I like to bring melatonin into, um, into clients' kind of routine pre-bed is number one, to supplement with melatonin. I think a, a very effective dose of melatonin can be 2.5 milligrams for a female and 5 milligrams for a male. This is not in any way, shape, or form an excessive dose. You know, some people can dose 10 milligrams, some people can dose 20 milligrams. What we're trying to do here is we're just trying to allow that natural release of melatonin to be more present. A secondary um, way of, of releasing melatonin is to use blue light blockers, especially the amber lensed blue light blockers. They have been significantly shown to improve the natural release of melatonin into the body and that in return can massively improve sleep quality. Blue light blockers will still allow you to use your phone, allow you to use laptops, TVs to a certain extent before bed. I'll always give my clients a kind of an hour to 90 minutes pre-bed to try and stay away from phones. With the use of blue light blockers, we can stay on phones and stay on laptops and TVs, I think, to at least 30 minutes before we go to bed. And anyone who has ever used blue light blockers before will understand and quite quickly realize how powerful of a tool these are. There has been studies shown with non-blue light blockers um, to have an inability to sleep 40 times greater than a blue light blocker user. So if you do not use blue light blocking glasses before you go to bed, your ability to sleep 40 times greater. That's a pretty scary statistic to think that probably 99% of people and, and general population do not use blue light blocking glasses. And if you just use these blue light blocking glasses, you would have a 40% increase in your, in your sleep quality, an increase in your ability to fall asleep before bed. There is also a study shown that non-blue light blocker, non-blue non light blocking wearing um, uh, studies had a boost or kind of jump forward five hours in their circadian rhythm. So say for the argument's sake, if you do not wear your blue light blocking glasses, that level of blue light coming into the eye can boost you forward five hours. So if it's 12 o'clock and you do not have blue light blocking glasses on and blue light is coming into the eye, you essentially are jumping your circadian rhythm to 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., depending on the amount of blue light coming into the skin. So just a take home from that, your nighttime routine should be trying to allow as much melatonin to be released as possible into the skin, into the system, by having you know, your blue light blocking glasses and melatonin as a supplement is fantastic. Trying to stay away from and um, trying to stay away from as many screens as possible if you do not have blue light blocking glasses. And this can start off your healthy circadian rhythm. So essentially now we have an optimal circadian rhythm. There's natural melatonin being released and we have the start of this cycle. Now, how we can improve this cycle even greater and improve your body's ability to sleep greater by improving circadian function is your morning routine. For my clients and myself, the first thing we do in the morning, if you get up, 
we open the blinds and we get into daylight immediately. For any of my clients, whether it's a muscle building plan, whether it's a fat loss plan, a transformation plan, whether it's somebody who's just looking to hold weight where they are, your first thing in the morning to do will be to get up and get steps in outdoors. As soon as you awake, you allow that vitamin D from the sun and sunlight to hit the skin. Essentially, now you have completed a full circadian rhythm. You've done everything in your power for that night for adequate melatonin release to be present. The morning time now, we have completely shut down that melatonin production and allowed a full cycle of circadian rhythm to be present. And if we look at the studies on, on improving health benefits from circadian rhythm, it's quite outstanding. The risk of Alzheimer's comes down, the risk of cancer can be shown to come down, the risk of kind of gastrointestinal diseases and any sort of gastrointestinal cancer has quite significantly come down just by having an emphasis on allowing that one biological thing that we were gifted with was circadian rhythm and we just have completely offset that by having blue light coming into the eye, by having excessive light coming into the skin, by being on the phone, being on laptops, being on TVs before bed, we have completely upset that rhythm. And you know, it's kind of crazy to think that the one thing we were gifted with, we as humans just completely ignore and completely try to counteract. And that counteraction can be quite, um, can be quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? You can kind of get a big bang for your book out of that counteraction due to the level of um, sleep deprivation that can be caused from having um, you know, an upset circadian rhythm. And when we're looking at sleep deprivation, sleep deprivation is something that, like I said, we as, we as humans cause ourselves. There are many different avenues we can dive into when we're looking at sleep deprivation. There's a couple that we are going to dive into on today's podcast and they're going to be stress. Um, the sleep environment, caffeine, and then food timing or nutrient timing. And when we're looking at stress in, as a starting point for our, our sleep deprivation section, sleep, stress can be a, a one we can tackle with kind of two, a two-headed sword here. So stress is, is a voluntary and an involuntary response. Stress can be quite hard to manage if you cannot measure where your stress elevations are. And this is where HRV testing comes into play hugely. I will always have clients test HRV readings first thing in the morning. HRV is a, is a heart rate variability. It's a physiological difference between heartbeats. It will essentially give you a level of the autonomic nervous system, whether you are either sympathetically dominant or parasympathetically dominant. If we are sympathetically dominant, that high stress environment, that can cause a huge upset to your sleep patterns and can cause sleep deprivation. If we have parasympathetic dominance, that's your rest and digest side of the autonomic nervous system. You are going to optimize off your sleep quality quite well inside of that parasympathetic dominance. I'll always check first thing in the morning because if you go to bed in a sympathetic state, you are going to be prolonged throughout the night in that sympathetic state and will wake up in a sympathetic state um, the next morning. When we have this level of sympathetic dominance before bed, 
our body will naturally release adrenaline into the bloodstream causing an elevation in heart rate and elevation in brain function before we go to bed and throughout the night causing a huge upset in REM sleep and causing a massive increase in um, awakefulness throughout the night. Sympathetic dominance before bed can be caused by a number of things. The number one issue, a number one thing I always see with clients who have a large percentage of awakefulness throughout the night and who have a large uh, percentage of REM sleep throughout the night, uh, a decrease in REM sleep, sorry, should I say, a decrease in, in REM sleep throughout the night will be those who train late in the evening. When you train late in the evening, of course, you're coming from an extremely stressful environment where there was loud music playing, where there was, you know, weights being banged around, you were pushing that, you know, voluntary stress response through the roof, you're trying to hit PBs, trying to get as strong as possible, taking part in the class, that level of stress is going to go through the roof and the level of sympathetic dominance you are going to have <clears throat> is going to be quite highly elevated as well. So an initial response we can have if testing uh, for sympathetic dominance first thing in the morning is trying to switch your training from a.m. from p.m. to a.m. So trying to move your your training sessions from the evening time to the morning time, you then essentially have an entire day to try and manage that stress response to try and improve sleep quality for that night. If you do train in the evening times, this is when melatonin and a supplementation called ashwagandha can hugely come into play. If we have that high level of stress in, in the evening times, just due to your logistics, you can't physically train in the morning times. When we go to the evening time and we have that high level of stress, implementing ashwagandha into the system is a fantastic tool. Ashwagandha essentially is an autonomic nervous system switcher and can hugely help you go from that high stress sympathetic dominant environment into that parasympathetic rest and digest environment. And that can then, of course, alleviate the amount of adrenaline being rushed into the bloodstream, can alleviate the amount of um, brain function that's present, and can also cause huge, huge um, changes in those sleep score readings. And I've, I've seen this myself with clients, if training in the evening time, introducing ashwagandha immediately post-workout, 300 milligrams, and 300 milligrams before you go to bed, the changes in their sleep score readings are quite substantial. The level of Awakefulness massively decreases. The level of REM sleep, dream sleep, rapid eye movement sleep massively increases just by paying attention to the level of stress that was caused from a PM training session. The second kind of cause of sleep deprivation um, that I like to really dive into is your sleep environment. Excuse me. Sorry, if I have to keep consistently drinking throughout the podcast, I do apologize. Every time I talk for a long period of time, I always feel like I need to consistently drink. So I do apologize if that is uh, annoying for anybody listening. But your sleep environment is a huge factor into uh, into how good of quality of sleep you have. And whenever I speak about sleep environment, people don't really understand the term of which I mean. It's essentially the room that you sleep in. Is the room at a cool temperature? Is the room messy? Is there something in the room that's going to cause a stress response or cause a massive elevation of brain function? Just for argument's sake and for a very good reference here, 
Your bed is on the right side of the room. Beside your bed, there is a locker. And on your locker, you put a report that's due for work tomorrow that you are stressed and anxious about. You finish that report at 6 p.m. You sit down, you relax, you watch a bit of telly, you have your dinner, you know, you potentially go to the gym, come home, do your normal evening routine, and you go to bed and see that report immediately what's that going to do. That is going to drive that stress elevation through the roof and just completely go back to what we said about that sympathetic dominance before bed. That's going to hugely upset your sleep pattern and ability to sleep that night. So trying to keep the room a very stress-free environment is hugely important. Making sure the room is a cool temperature, but more importantly, making sure you are a cool temperature going to bed is also extremely important for improving sleep quality. A kind of a very good tool and nearly trick I used I like to use with clients is open the window 40 minutes before going to bed. And especially over the last week, we have had a massive spike in our um, temperature. Here, you know, we've had some days of 24, 25 degrees, even coming to 7 p.m., 8 p.m. in the evening, it's still being quite warm. And of course, if you're in a room where the lights are closed, where the, the, the windows are closed, sorry, the lights are turned off, blinds are closed, and then you, you come in and attempt to sleep in that room, that room is going to be very high temperature. So what I like to do with clients is I like to, you know, open the window at least 40 minutes before going to bed, but then I like to have a shower or a hot bath, or tell the clients to have a shower or a hot bath. And what we essentially have done is we have cooled the entire temperature of the room, but more importantly, we've cooled the bed. So we have cooled the pillows, the mattress, the bed sheets, um, and the duvet. And having that core cool temperature of the room can improve sleep quality. Getting someone to have a bath or a shower, a quite hot bath or quite hot shower, as soon as you come out of that bath or that shower, you know, you are going to have a rush of all your heat to your core. When you're in a bath or a shower, your essentially blood rushes to the skin to try and cool the skin against the hot water. So when we have that rush of blood flow to the skin, it's always nice to have a return back to the core. But when that blood returns back to the core, all of your, your limbs become quite cool because you're trying to keep your core now protected against this massive shift change in temperature. And when we get into bed post having your, your, your shower, post having your bath, now the bed is at an extremely cool temperature. Now your limbs are at an extremely cool temperature and that has been significantly proven to increase the level of sleep quality that you will get due to the fact of you now being at a kind of a, a an optimizing temperature to sleep at and that's a very good tip that's that we could potentially implement into our clients immediately and into ourselves as well is is understanding the temperature of the room that we need to be at and sleep environment is such an, an important thing to focus on and um, and you know there's a couple of things that we can dive into into sleep environment as well, and that can be tackled under, under that heading. It's, you know, I always like to say, you know, make sure the room is not a place for entertainment. You know, making sure the room has no TVs, phones, laptops. It's that complete stress-free environment away from everything that's going to cause any sort of a spike in brain function, any sort of a spike in stress response, and just to make sure that this, the bedroom is a place for rest and no clutter no 
no, you know, messy um, piles of clothes or you know, I, myself and Josh uh, Cowan, a very good friend of mine who's coming onto the podcast for the next episode, always kind of have a joke about this. Whenever we tell our clients to clean their rooms, their sleep always improves. And it's just taking that, you know, psychological warfare against walking into a bedroom and seeing a pile of clothes in the corner seeing you know plates stacked on on their dresser seeing that report for work that's going to cause that stress response a very you know um a very uh warm uh, a room that doesn't have you know quite adequate temperature response for sleep and just improving those things can hugely improve the level of sleep that you can um that you can achieve and you you know, when we're looking at then caffeine, uh, caffeine is one of those things that we can hugely control. And one thing people don't really understand about caffeine and understand about the, the quality of sleep that can be had when reducing caffeine intake is quite substantial. You know, caffeine is broken into the system into half-lives. When you consume caffeine, that first initial half-life, let's say for argument's sake, we have 100 milligrams of caffeine. And that 100 milligrams of caffeine comes from a coffee. So when we consume the coffee, the first 50 milligrams of that coffee are going to be released into the bloodstream within the first 40 minutes of consumption. The second 50 milligrams of that coffee are going to be released into the bloodstream for up to eight hours post-consumption a small trickles of adrenaline are released into the bloodstream. And that essentially is what caffeine does. Caffeine spikes your heart rate, can push you into that sympathetic dominance and can release adrenaline into the bloodstream. So trying to monitor your caffeine intake is hugely important for optimizing sleep. Just due to the fact that we're always trying to restrict the amount of adrenaline that's going to be circulating in the bloodstream and always trying to restrict the level of sympathetic dominance that we have coming into our, our sleep pattern. So for, for myself, I like to have a coffee first thing in the morning as soon as I wake up because usually I'll get out and do my steps or get out and do my morning cardio. I'll then transfer over onto decafs and decaffeinated coffee coming from at least 10 to 12 hours before I'll, I know I'll be going to bed that night. And just having a, a switch in mindset of, of caffeine and understanding the importance of caffeine and when caffeine can be important. Caffeine should be, I think, you know, before cardio, before training sessions, fantastic. Should you need to have caffeine consistently throughout the day, if you are just sitting at the desk, if you're doing just a, a normal day-to-day job or day-to-day function, should your caffeine intake be high? I can argue that to say no, I, I really don't think so. Just due to the fact of the level of, of sympathetic dominance that, that caffeine can uh, produce, and then that level of sympathetic dominance can then in return hugely upset sleep, but hugely upset digestion, hugely increased blood pressure. It's not necessarily something that I would like to have consistently circulating around my bloodstream. So caffeine limitations and caffeine restrictions and a cutoff point of caffeine, I think, is, is extremely important for trying to optimize sleep quality. Because just again, think back to that point of how caffeine, the secondary half-life, could potentially be still pushed into the bloodstream, you know, at least up to at least up to eight hours. Um, post-consumption 
that's something that you know can be monitored, can be measured, can be managed quite well in regards to trying to improve your sleep quality. Nutrient timing and food timing is something that I I, I particularly um, introduce with my clients, introduce with myself because I have seen quite an improvement in the ability to sleep when digestive function isn't present. And you know, one of those kind of myths of the fitness industry, you shouldn't eat your carbs past six o'clock, you shouldn't eat carbs before bed. Nobody really looks into the effect that can have on sleep quality and the effect that can have on your gastronomic system before bed. Let's say for argument's sake, you have a Domino's before bed. Sorry, excuse me, I just have to drink again. I do apologize. I'm sure that's probably very annoying to listen to, but like I said, when I speak for a long period of time, I do have to consistently uh, keep drinking. Let's say for argument's sake, you have a Domino's before bed. When we are in that parasympathetic um, um, state, you know, that is a state of rest and digest. But when we are starting off our circadian rhythm, the part of digestion starts to downregulate. So that's a very, very important thing you need to understand is that although we want to be in that rest and digest state, we only want to be in the rest state of the parasympathetic nervous system before bed to allow circadian rhythm to be present. When we are trying to digest food with the offset of circadian rhythm and the offset of melatonin, your gastrointestinal system starts to slow down and the ability to digest food becomes very, very poor. So from a a nutritional perspective, I like to use something before bed that's extremely easy, easy to digest that's not going to cause any sort of an upset to digestive function that then in return can cause an upset to sleep quality. So just uh, off the top of my head, a meal I like to use before bed with clients is natural Greek yogurt um, and berries. Natural Greek yogurt and berries can be digested into the system and will cause very, very little um, kind of ability of the digestive tract to break that food down because of the texture of the yogurt and because of the fiber that's inside the berries. If anything, it's going to aid digestive function. Now, if you imagine having a steak and potatoes before bed or having, you know, oats before bed or having something that's going to take a good chunk, like a a Domino's pizza, a good chunk of your digestive function to really break that down, that's going to hugely upset um, sleep quality and, and hugely upset sleep pattern because, like we said, we only want that rest phase of the parasympathetic nervous system to be present before bed. We do not want the digest phase because it has been shown that in, in activity in the digestive tract can hugely upset sleep patterns. So we want to be really trying to optimize off the rest phase of the the parasympathetic nervous system and really trying to bring down the digest phase. So from a nutritional point of view, I do firmly believe trying to keep carbohydrates away from the last meal is a wise move to make in trying to improve sleep quality. Trying to keep it pro-fat or simply just protein with some fiber, I have seen improvements in clients' ability to sleep more effectively 
when you have eliminated carbohydrates before bed. I know potentially that just debunked one of the biggest um, myths in the fitness industry of, you know, no the, you can eat carbs before bed and you can eat carbs past six. There's no real logic behind that bro science approach. And when you actually look into, you know, your body's ability to digest food, I personally think and has been shown to improve um has been shown to improve the rate of 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 sleep that they get and the quality of sleep that they get from you know being a little bit smarter with your approach to um to to nutrient timing so inside of that section there there's a lot of information to digest you know when we spoke about stress sleep environment caffeine and nutrient timing those are just tools that you can all implement into your own lives straight away and implement into your um clients lives straight away without having to massively um without having to massively change anything you know it's just about being a little bit smarter with your approach especially to stress you know implementing stress management techniques and um, which we're going to go through now in a moment implementing you know a, a good sleep environment which is something that's so easy to implement into your life and um, restricting caffeine intake which again is something that you can just switch to decaf i know decaf has about 30 to 50 percent less caffeine but can hugely help and then just having that cut off point window of about 10 hours before sleep i do think is wise and then nutrient timing trying to keep potentially carbohydrate restricted um before bed and optimizing off a, a pre-bed pro-fat meal or pre-bed just protein and fiber meal um, i do think is is quite important and now we're going to really just look at how to optimize your sleep and this section is potentially the 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 biggest section that can help you guys but the most simple section as well um and when we're looking at pre-bed routines there's just a couple of things that i want to to really inflict so your pre-bed routine essentially is going to just give you everything that you we have spoken about in regards to circadian rhythm and sleep deprivation the, the pre-bed checklist that i like to run with the clients it's number one it's to, to stay out of phones, stay out of the sight of light before bed, um, at least an hour to, to 90 minutes. Number two on the pre-bed checklist is to improve circadian rhythm. So either the use of blue light blockers, the use of melatonin, um, and, and, and the, t- the two of those together are quite sign- quite easy tasks to do, but can, can quite significantly improve your body's ability to sleep more effectively. Number three, will be um, the use of guided breathing work. Um, Guided breathing work has been significantly shown to make a natural autonomic nervous system switch from a very high stress to very low stress environment. Every single one of my clients has a target every day of guided breathing work that they have to complete, whether it's in the AM or the PM. I do prefer to use guided breathing work in the PM because I think it gives you control over your stress management, but also teaches you how to manage stress accordingly. Now, like we said earlier, stress is a is a voluntary and an involuntary response. You know, and the, the voluntary we can control, you know, you walk into the gym tomorrow and pick up a hundred kilo off the floor, that's you causing that, res- that response to stress. But the involuntary response, think back to what we said about going to bed and seeing that. Um, that project on the nightstand that has to be due tomorrow that you're nervous about, that you're worried about, that's an involuntary 
response and, and guided breathing work can massively help you control the voluntary and the involuntary response to stress, but also has been um, proven on studies that when we use guided breathing work before bed, the quality of sleep can quite significantly um, improve. Number four would be the use of supplementation. Um, melatonin will definitely fall into this. L-theanine, ashwagandha and valerian root are the four, including melatonin, supplements that I like to utilize before bed um, to really have a full control over everything that we need for optimizing sleep quality. We've already spoken about melatonin. We've already spoken about ashwagandha. Um, L-theanine is a supplement that can be used to lower cortisol levels. Cortisol is your stress hormone. So always remember that you have a stress response, which is you know that autonomic nervous system switch into the high stress environment sympathetic dominance, but you also have a hormone that can elevate as well. And an elevation in cortisol can hugely impact sleep quality as well. So L-theanine being introduced into the pre-bed supplementation stack has been proven to really improve, has been shown to really improve um, sleep quality. Valerian root extract is another one that I will only use with clients after having an extremely taxing session in the gym. So say you go to the gym, though I know obviously we can't at the moment because the majority of us are on lockdown, but if you go to the gym and you train legs or you train back and you do deadlifts, you do heavy hack squats, you do you know really intense um, workouts that's going to cause a massive elevation in uh, sympathetic dominance. Valerian root extract is a fantastic tool to basically bring everything down to, 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 to par level again. But it's not something that I feel needs to be used at every session. It's only something that I feel needs to be used on extremely taxing sessions and can also be, has been proven to massively downregulate the amount of brain function that can be present before bed as well. And valerian root extract was initially a supplement that was given to ADHD patients and patients with severe anxiety to bring down their level of brain function. And then when people start introducing it into pre-bed um, supplementation stacks, and you know, there's a lot of my clients use the valerian tea, which is a fantastic tool. Um, it then was shown to massively, you know, downregulate just an average person's um, brain function before bed, and then that downregulation of brain function before bed has then shown to improve sleep uh, sleep quality. And, you know, just oh, oh, just a bit of an overview, I suppose, over, over that podcast. There's a lot of good take-homes there. And I think the number one take-home is just habits. You know, introducing habits into your day to try and improve sleep, but always being mindful of those habits. You know, just referring back to circadian rhythm, the habit of making sure your body is in tune with that circadian function. You know, the morning and nighttime routines are so important for melatonin release, melatonin increase as a hormone, but then also the decrease of melatonin. You know, circadian rhythm is not just about going to bed and, and allowing that nighttime hormone to kick in. It's also about allowing vitamin D then to be upregulated and, and to have that natural level of vitamin D onto the skin from daylight exposure. When we're speaking about habits throughout the day, understanding the response of stress is fundamentally important 
you know, and testing stress, I think is fundamentally important and will fall under that category of a habit of testing your stress levels every single day to make sure that you are in that parasympathetic dominance and you are waking up in a parasympathetic state to make sure that that pre-bed checklist and supplementation and recommended dosage is giving you that level of parasympathetic dominance before bed, making sure that caffeine has been restricted and you understand the importance of caffeine restriction and understand the importance of trying to limit caffeine intake and you understand that half-life approach that caffeine can have and then you know making sure that your pre-bed routine has been nailed down and perfected and your pre-bed routine is consistently analyzed to make sure that it is being effective you know just because we say get off the phone an hour before bed for some people that's not enough for some people that's more than enough And this is where, you know, tracking, and again, what I always say, we can only manage what we can measure. Tracking sleep is super important and and understanding the data that's inside of those track sheets. You know, sleep is one of those things that we all track, but who can actually read those readings effectively? You know, going back to what I said about, you know, having that high level of, um, high level of awakefulness, low levels of um, low levels of REM sleep that's just one prime example of stress elevation that can be caused um, and just having a very clear understanding of that can be hugely important so you know it's a, it's a very famous very very famous saying you know if you want to look your best feel your best perform your best you have to prioritize your sleep and it is super important and some excellent reference tools for sleep and um, Matthew Walker why we sleep um, it's a book that I read about a year ago absolutely fantastic um, tons of information about circadian function tons of information about sleep deprivation as well and he really dives into the um, you know health benefits of sleep and also the negative effects that sleep can have um, on your health so I hope you enjoyed that podcast thank you very much for, for listening right the way through um, the next podcast I'll be joined with Josh Cowan we are going to be covering um, macros and basically giving you guys everything you need to know in regards to macronutrients and how to implement those into a plan to make your physique that bit better so i hope you enjoyed the podcast thank you very much for listening thank you